Good evening, friends, and welcome back to The Front Porch. My name is Dennis Rogers. I'm joined, as always, by Michael Daniels. And we have a guest with us in the studios again, our good buddy, Brian Cogswell. How's it going, guys? Hey, welcome, Brian. I'm just happy to be here. I'm glad that, that you made it all the way out to our studios to, to be here in person under the special COVID order, even. You, you made it here. Time. Glad, to, glad to see you here in person. Well, it's at not six that, foot distance. It's not that far from Ohio, unlike New Hampshire. That's right. That's right. Could have just drive to New York City. True. Just uh, <laughs> going Hey, Brian, how's how how are you dealing with this whole? Uh, first off, how, how did you? Uh, how have you your relationship with Dennis? How, how did that start out? <laughs> I mean, how did you meet him? We're, we're um, gonna go back to back to college, right? Is that is that the thing? No, 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 no. Um, no, no college. We, no, we go through trial tea. So I was roommates with Whistler in college and I went to high school with Brad and then um, he met up with Trotsky sometime in the middle of college and then he Trotsky just kind of always hung around and then we, <laughs> he's just he was just always on. around they started <laughs> they started whatever business then became reside at the same time graduation happened I moved away ah. ran off became a librarian worked in a factory went to law school came back 10 years later and Dennis had been working for one of their companies. So I met Dennis at some random Thursday because I'd moved into town and Trotsky's like, we go to the alley bar on Thursdays. And I'm like, okay, I'm going. And mm-hmm. I don't know exactly when I met Dennis, but I, it would have been there or Trotsky's game night. One of the two. I mean, I, I mean, I, I understand that. I get that most people meet Dennis at a bar. That's kind of how it <laughs> works. That's yeah, how the world I, is. I, as well, it's whatever. Nobody says this, but I'm, but I'm saying it <laughs> right now. I'm not denying in, it straight out our, front, but you know, in our uh, in our friends group, all all roads lead to Trotsky. Uh, I know yeah. that's that's my central connection for for both of you. I know Mike, you grew up with Trotsky and went to the same high school. I think, right? Yeah, right. Since since forever, and so yeah. So when school, did when did the two of you meet? Was that in college? No, I, I met Brian, and he probably doesn't remember any of this, but I, the first time I ever came to Bloomington, uh, Mike was begging me to come you know, hang out and see all these cool bar-type things. So I went to uh, and got uh, appropriately intoxicated okay. at, at all sure. of the bars here in Bloomington and woke up at Mike's house, and he lived at a place called The Fields. And that is where he shared an apartment with Brad and Brian. No, that is false. I moved. That is that, false. <laughs> they lived there the year after I moved away. I moved away in '98. Oh, but you, you were then you were staying there, or you had been there, or there in the morning, or something. And I was like, <sighs> I didn't know who you were. And they were like, Oh, it's Brian Cogswell. Okay, okay, possibly, but I wasn't there much because I was. <laughs> I did not come. No, once I moved away from Bloomington, I didn't go back very often. It was like hmm. for Brad's wedding, for Trotsky's bachelor party. And, do you remember that too? Yeah. And just every once in a while, yeah, randomly. Um, right. Although you so, went to so, high so Brian's Brian's always been one of one of the guys. It's kind of like there's several people who have been part of our our friend group and then had moved away into their own worlds here and there. And Brian's been out all the way east, if I'm not mistaken. And then uh, now you're Midwest, you're Ohio yeah. area, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I was in at we were at Dartmouth, which is in New Hampshire, right on the border of New Hampshire and Vermont, um, keeping those cheese eaters away from, <laughs> from, from Boston, I guess. Um, and then, yeah, we just moved 
down here to Athens, Ohio, which is where Ohio University is. Um, ah, yeah. But we're we're pretty close to the um, Ohio River, so we're down in the southeast corner of Ohio. So we're close. Does that really mean close- you have to automatically be a Browns fan? Yeah. No, that's the south. No, that's the north. East corner. Cleveland is way oh. up at the top. Yeah. We're 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 down by know. the Appalachian. We're down by West Virginia. There's West Virginia. We're east. We're equal distance to uh, Cleveland and Cincinnati. Oh, okay. Okay. So, so you're, you're, you're smart of... enough to to not watch any of those that sports, right? <laughs> sports. Well, I, I, I'm sorry. You said the word sports. I don't know what that is anymore. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. There, there's a lot of Steelers fans around here too, because that's it's still within that media market too. Mm, okay. So, so speak. Moving into some good things, kind of been happening on or, or current affairs. How's uh, how's Ohio been dealing with this whole? Do, do, are they locking you guys into? Are you are you made to stay home throughout this whole thing? Um, the governor is a just a boring technocrat. You know, he's not going to win any outrage awards. He's not going to get a radio show after all this is done. But he's just <laughs> just he's just one of those just solid anonymous people who's just doing an awesome job um yeah. i i am i am considered essential because it's a law you can't shut law firms down um for some reason why i don't, I don't understand <laughs> we do probate which means i'm just working with like estates so you know That's right right <laughs> the bodies and they've they, they've told all the statute of limitations so it's there's no deadlines so we could not be here, but I'm only working half right. because because daycares have been closed, and mm. so we got we got my wife is working from home. She works for the university. She works from home, so I were I I'm at home so I can like keep the little one away from Cindy when she's on the meetings. Doing the work, right? Yeah, when she's doing work. her work. Yeah, yeah I, I, I I'm sure I could think of worse things, but a daycare center seems high on the list of things that you don't want in the midst of. They're a, already epidemic. they're already little petri dishes, even yeah. without the virus going around. Oh, so yeah, I mean, I mean, they, thankfully, kids are the 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 least infected or reported, I guess, as as having this thing. But they're just carrier um, monkeys. It, they are just carrier monkeys. I, I know that as a parent, they they bring home everything, and all of the family gets infected from the kids that they mm-hmm. all you know spread it around to other people. So they're just bringing it home. To they they touch parents. everything and they put everything in their mouth. So you know, right, right, and they yeah. share those things in their mouth with the other kids' mouths. Oh, of course. So yeah, right. that's what so, I was I was talking to my uh, coworkers this morning because Dad and I went to the DIY store yesterday to get. Um, you know, su- supplies, materials for the house. We're doing butcher block countertops, so I had to get the right kind of oil and finish for that, among other things. But it was incredibly crowded, I think, because we in Indiana are getting close to having our quarantine list- lifted, which is its own whole thing. But I had not realized when I was in the store until um, I was talking to my coworkers about it later, um, Menard still has signs outside of their entrance that say no children under 16 and, and and i do not remember seeing any kids in the store i didn't really notice it at the time but then when i when i thought back i'm like yeah i don't think so and i assume that it's yeah because that because you can't tell a four-year-old not to touch everything 
you know, right. just run I actually like that you down said the that. entire row right. of uh, of screwdriver <laughs> handles or whatever. Well, I still I I still think it's funny how at sixteen was the cutoff. That means that like fifteen year olds are still sucking on knobs with everybody else. Other yeah, it's a little arbitrary there, but uh. <laughs> I'm in a I'm in a college town. We have one Kroger, and that's pretty much the only grocery store. So the entire town goes mm. there. So if one of the, now this county only has three reported cases. So Cleveland right. has a lot. Cincinnati has a lot. Yeah. When when we reopen, you know we're going to be the spike, and everybody here is going to die. But <laughs> yeah, because yeah. we're going to die because we all go to the same grocery store, and you know right. you have like all these people walking around with masks and, and being relatively safe, and then you have the two sorority girls walking through with like picking up their four cases of white claw, you know, <laughs> laughing nice. on their phone and like you know I don't know vomiting don't on people care. because they're they're day drunk. Because right, your college. Yeah, the, the the thing is, like, anybody goes to vacations or goes to a trip over to these major or even mid major cities can tell that, like, yeah, you just give up your own health when you go to those places. You're you're touching subway rail handlings that are visibly disgusting. You can see the rails crawling or the, you know, <laughs> just horrible, dirty stuff. And and you just accept that that's part of life living in those areas. Now, obviously, we are learning the huge consequences of that kind of, you know, uh, uncaring for sanitation. And um, hopefully when we come to the backside of this, there will be some other kind of standards put into place as a norm that, you know, hey, maybe we shouldn't, we should like occasionally wipe down those Kroger U-Scan-It stations and, you know, touching touching, uh, credit card things are bad. You know, if you just kept kosher. But you know, <laughs> bats bats are not kosher, you know, and if you're dirty, you're sanitated oh, for fourteen days. I'm just saying. That's you know, right. there's, there's there's some there's, some validity to that, there's, right? There's yeah. a lot of validity to that. <laughs> hey, uh so I well, last week we watched speaking of more uh, COVID kind of catch up, last week we did a, a bit of a show with okay. um uh our Thursday uh hangout session. Our, I, uh, I do our enjoy that you thing. you label all of our midweek online activities as covid times and i'm like we're just quarantined like it has nothing to do with i mean the it's fact that everyone times. at home is is because of that but it's just weird to, to use that as the title but yeah well, for well, our we, thursday it's, it's things that we do differently night, than we would do right that's true it's that, true that are, it, it, but it is true dennis because mean you wouldn't be invited to go into the alley bar that's true in no. northern Indiana. Uh, well i don't know about invited Ohio. but no, right. we're, we're see that's that's a very you, good point. You, like, you and I and Fox are in are in the group that I call the expats, the expatriates. <laughs> right. I mean that, uh, that's a that's a thing, right? That that once once this is over, it's it's all the or you know we're back at every day. People going back to work. You know, I don't know if we'll still we may still have like Thursday movie nights, right? I, d- I doubt if it's Thursday. I don't think you can take the uh, alley bar out of out of them. We, yeah, oh, then, we might, then like we every, might still. everybody has to be home by eight or nine to watch the movie. That's a weird, uh, <laughs> right weird thing. Right. So, so that's the thing is that this is something that we do because of that, and because of that, we do have two of the people, three people on this podcast tonight are are there every week now because you know we didn't have that capability before. Now we can connect with that kind of a thing. So it does very much have a, a coronavirus time quarantine time to it. <laughs> Uh, okay, so that being said, we watched. Uh, we all collectively decided to watch Caddyshack this week, right? Now, this one I think we've all seen before, right? You've seen it, Dennis, oh. and, and at, at least once oh, yeah. years ago. It's just a little bit before my time, but 
um, yeah. I own the movie and I've seen it a bajillion times. I mean, it's it's one of those you start playing Diablo and and you just kind of throw it on the screen. Um, and, and watch and its background I, I, and its background music. Yeah. yeah, I have to say that I, I've watched it several times too, but I would have to say that I've not watched it in its entirety several times. I've seen it in its entirety before, but even just watching like bits and pieces of it was the Bill Murray scenes and the Rain, Rodney Dangerfield stuff. I, I barely even remembered anything else. To, about the entire, I'm going to say plot with air quotes here on the, on the <laughs> there, uh, except for those those things. And it, and all I remember was like, oh, I just would tune out any time that Bill Murray wasn't fighting that gopher the whole time. You know, yeah, the, the and it's like a lot of I like that you said air quote, you know, quote unquote plot because yeah. there's this sort of story, and Bill Murray is not connected to it anyway. Like he's doing a different movie like he, he really is and and even a lot of the main story is just a collection of scenes it's like oh we've done this thing let's check in on rodney dangerfield and he can tell a couple one-liners <laughs> right I, right i honestly i mean i i remember seeing it as a small child and um we, we had hbo we had hbo and and this then i remember watching it again sure. when i was in my 20s and i was like wait this is more than just about the gopher I mean, my childhood memory is just the <laughs> right? gopher. Yeah, and just the watch, gopher. Yeah, and it's just like, but but there's no story. It's just a bunch of little scenes for jokes. It's just I mean, a, a really, bunch of little things that hang jokes on the whole way yeah, along. The, the whole way there there isn't. I mean, I, I was just getting ready to ask what that what the the plot was. I mean, it, maybe it's a kid trying to get money to go to college. It's it's a yes. it's a summer in the life of a caddy guy who's. Mm-hmm. moving out of his parents and what's he going to do with his life i i don't know it's maybe it, right. I, th- I think the original story had more of that on it but they got all these other actors together and they were just so good together that they just like let them go which is funny right like how do they pitch that i think they just go up to the to the executives at wherever this was and said like hey we just want to put Roddy Dangerfield and see if we can we get Bill Murray in here and a bunch of other guys and just and, and Chevy it's Chase. It's going to be set on Chevy Chase. It's going to be set on a golf course. Let's let's just let's. How about we do that, right? And that was the pitch, and they were like green light. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know where this was, where this sits in the in the careers of Rodney Dangerfield, Chevy Chase, and uh, um, Bill Murray, but that could have been part of it. Like you get those three names and people and you know studios were like yes do i it. mean it's it's the 80s so it's around uh vacation yeah dangerfield mm-hmm. had been around forever he was a stand-up forever right um right bill murray probably i mean after ghostbusters maybe right before ghostbusters yeah but 84 no this is before then this was yeah, like a little 1980. a little before but maybe like, like- Around stripes, stripes. Maybe. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, and 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 he was on um, Saturday Night Live, I believe, right? Well, Chevy uh, Chase had already Chevy left. Chase he was definitely a, was. Chase was on yeah. only on it for like a year, I think. Right, right. He did. Yeah, so news. so it's it's just a weird thing. They they. I mean, I'm trying to think about some of these things that are hilarious and classic and don't have a plot, like how they would be greenlit today. Like if if they would be greenlit today. Like would would is there movies out there today that they they don't even have any story at all and they're just like vignettes of funny they're, people they're making thing. are they making a, a jackass three <laughs> <laughs> i guess that's or four that's no, an example yeah no, seriously i mean one of the yeah the next version of that is is in 
the, the movie I'm I'm struggling to come up with something more contemporary than this, but I remember thinking that after watching um Nacho Libre, the Jack Black movie, and he's made movies oh, okay. since then. Okay, yeah, sure. Some with more or less uh, you know, amount of story, but those like um just straight or often called raunchy comedies is just what yeah. they are, like a like there's the thinnest uh you know trace of a plot and then just a bunch of ridiculous comedy in between or, or a lot of the movies i guess that adam sandler makes that aren't really have a plot they're just like let's let's make an adam sandler movie type thing yeah well here, here I mean, i'm go. not knocking on that that's what is what it is here, here you go this was directed by hair grains so you know yeah yeah so that's and its budget was six million dollars and it made 40 million what what this this nice. is Caddyshack? This is Caddyshack, yeah. Wow, that's that's pretty good, especially eighties. I mean six, that's a six million budget. that had I to have all what, been salaries of the actors. What that paid for. I it was nineteen eighty, they weren't all that big yet. Right. Wow, I mean there 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 wasn't like a lot of sets or what the CGI was blowing things up. Wasn't CGI, but <laughs> there I mean was the no practical CGI. effects. Yeah, sorry. all the like sorry, sorry practical effects. Um yeah, go, yeah go, we just go. Call visual effects CGI now because that's what it all <laughs> <Yeah>. is. <laughs> right. No. Um. Yeah. Like uh, the the six million dollars, a million dollars goes into what like the explosions of of the golf courses. Most of the stuff was just shot on a golf course or in a room, and and that's it. Yeah. I mean, maybe they had a lot of a lot of bit actors, a lot of extras, kind of thing. Yeah. True, true. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a great show. That, that's, if, that if they used a good an actual of, golf course country club, it was probably expensive just to rent it out for all those days. Right. You, you know, this this trend that I've seen, and, and it is a trend, of uh, people watching movies together and oftentimes sharing libations um, it is a thing during this whole, you know, COVID time that, that people sure. are doing. So uh, I think a good... Not list, but recommendations for for movies that are good for that is is a good thing because not everything works, right? I think uh, our Blazing Saddles was a lukewarm kind of experience, um, where Caddyshack was pretty good, Spaceballs was pretty good, um, and maybe it's because they they just need to be light on plot and good on one liners, right? Right. <laughs> and Blazing Saddles right. is a lot of stuff that's. I mean, it was problematic at the time. And that was 50 years <laughs> Let ago. Let alone yeah. problematic now. <laughs> right. Uh, hey, so since we're talking about uh, movies, we want to go ahead and head into our 2020 challenge? Sure. So this one is... I mean, I'm not going to say the word again, Dennis. I can't keep saying it every week. What? The, the, the C word. The, the dreaded C, I mean... C word. You know, it's one of those words I overuse, uh, like like masterpiece. But yeah, masterpiece. I mean, we, sh- we should say those more. Often I mean, now. this one really is a classic. We're talking about nineteen forty two Casablanca. Yeah, we're we're we're. I mean, it's you know sixty some years old or more, or less than that, eighty years old. Eighty years old. That's crazy, right? Yeah, Man. that's that. That's that meme that like the nineteen eighties. Or 2000 was 20 years ago, which is weird because 1980 was 20 years ago. Right? <laughs> right. It's like once we stopped counting the decades, the time stopped. <laughs> that's, that's very true. We, we had, uh, uh, 
when I was watching this at the very beginning, I started, I saw an actor that I thought was one I recognized. Mm-hmm. And then I said, oh, I wonder, you know, if he was this, this was him when he's younger. But then I thought, no, every one of these people were mostly dead before I was ever watching movies. Right. Yeah, uh, that's, that's n- sort of. Uh, Rick's girlfriend that he tosses away, that woman was the last cast member and she died in like 2016. Wow. She was uh, la- yeah, but... She, but- she, then she was still like ninety, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> that was that was close in, in time. Somebody, mom or somebody, read that statistic when we were watching Wizard of Oz, which is something like ten years even before this. Um, and uh, one, ten years, There's four or five years, right? Because it's wasn't it's that thirty nine? Oh, it might be thirty nine. I was thinking like thirty four or five, um, which is still not ten years. But um, <laughs> one of the. <laughs> one of the last, it was one of the Munchkins passed in like oh, right. you 15 said that. or 16. Oh. Well, this movie has a couple uh, little people in it. Does it? At the very end of the, 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 the last scene, yeah, they're on a stage and for the plane that wow. Lazo's going to put his luggage in. This is on the, the special edition stuff. It's the, mm. um, uh. You talk about it. That, that plane is a, a cardboard cutout thing painted that's much smaller, but to have people walking in front of it, if you had a real, if you had a, if you had a normal sized person walking in front of it, the perspective would be ruined. Yeah, because the plane's a lot closer, mm. you know, because they're on a set. Um, so yeah. they hired a couple little people who are walking in front of it just to, just for the perspective. Wow, that's interesting. So that's, that's just funny. practical practical that. effects. A little um, Easter egg thing in there. Yeah. Cogswell starting off with so hard it's a, right off the bat. So it, when it takes off, is that that's a model then? No, that's no, 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 no. I, I mean the very end, the, the last scene with the, the airport. Mm. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think when it takes off, that's got to be a model. Because there's one sh- scene that looks like this floating on wires as it come above. And yeah, then that's the next scene, the, the next shot, I mean. The movement of it wasn't model. quite right. And I was like, is that a – no, they would have – filmed real planes just like howard hughes did and no yeah that that always bugs me that does look like some kid's toy like sliding down a a wire a rail and it's only for one quick shot and then the next shot it looks like it's a real plane like i don't know why they did that one but i think the second shot the second shot looked more like stock footage kind of like the the, yeah the the the, the war and the paris flashback stuff right Uh, okay, so we're, we're skipping to the end. <laughs> so, so this is uh, Humphrey Bogart, right? This yep. this is Bogey. Would you say this is Bogey's most famous uh, movie? Um, I would his... say for people living now, but at the time, I think the Maltese Falcon was probably mm. probably more famous for him. Yeah, Maltese Falcon is one of his iconic. I think the first one of his that I saw was whatever one he did with Audrey Hepburn, which I thought was Charade, but that's. Cary Grant. Audrey Hepburn. It gives me chills just hearing her name. <laughs> <laughs> she, she's my favorite. But yeah, uh, it's probably yeah. a toss-up between this and, and Maltese Falcon. I mean, Maltese well, Falcon the, came out the year before. That's the, I mean... Oh, yeah. yeah. But I would say people would the, know this. I'm African Queen would be one that, that oh, people yeah, would know, African but Queen, I think, that was yeah, in the yeah. 50s. So That's, that's right. what my dad said. That's um, right. Catherine. I think that... Uh, the, the the important thing there's a lot of, we're going to probably talk about with the historical time this film was made but I, uh, I I gotta say that this when this was out it actually was just lukewarm reception 
Like it wasn't, it wasn't seen as like some big thing. It was just okay by uh, critics and by moviegoers alike. And then when it won all the awards, it became a thing. And even it, even then, it wasn't a huge thing. It just over time be- snowballed more and more and more into becoming a classic. It was definitely sure. not one that, like, when it launched, everyone was like, "Oh my god, this is the best thing ever! You should go watch it. It's historical." I mean, sometimes that happens, like with um, "It's a Wonderful Life." Right, right. It's, it's, it's sort of, sort of. Except, I mean, you know, this is from a studio that you know, this is the the height of the the studio era. Studio where, system, yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, the system. Sorry, where they were making what fifty movies a year each studio. Mm. Yeah, so this is just another one of them. This one's got a couple better actors, and we had to trade this person to be able to get Igor Bergman in here. And I mean, they were still working on the they were still working on the script while the movie was being filmed. Mm. Yeah, that's a, that's a. So, I mean, they still do that today sometimes. Though, right? they, <laughs> sure, change it. Yeah, but and... yeah, but Sonic the Hedgehog isn't like you know going to win the awards. Nobody, nobody in eighty years is going to be calling the Sonic movie a classic. <laughs> <laughs> you never know, man. You never know. No. Um. Yeah, it's a. Uh, it, so while watching the beginning of this, and actually, I got to say that up front, I know that the two of you are big fans of this. Um, I, I guess I should say I'm a big fan of it as well, but uh, it's not for the for the reasons a lot of times that people will say for classic movies about why it's amazing and why it's incredible and go on and on about it. This one to me is a great movie because it's a great movie. Like it's entertaining. It's it has a lot of back stuff to it that's like historically that you can understand. And I want to go into that in a bit for questions. But like I just enjoyed this movie for watching it. Like it had it it flowed. It had a good. It wasn't. It was easy to see everything happening. You knew what was going to happen the whole time. But it's it's a love story that's that's good. Got good characters. Everyone is very interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. Everything about it I liked, and it was entertain. It's entertaining the whole time. That's why I like this show, not necessarily because of anything historical or crazy that that happened right of the way. It's just a good, entertaining movie. This is my favorite movie ever. Um, I don't think it's the best movie That's ever. A big one. This is this number is my, one this is, even. This is number one for me. This is this. I don't think this is the best movie ever. There's no shot that is like, you know, that's the most perfect shot or anything like that. It, it, mm-hmm. The reason I say that is it, it's my favorite comedy. It's my favorite mm-hmm. love story. It's my favorite piece of propaganda. It's <laughs> no. I say that in a positive way. Not not in, yeah, I mean, yeah yeah yeah. It wasn't it wasn't allowed to be shown in Ireland because it portrayed the Nazis negatively, and Ireland was completely neutral, and it wouldn't let you cast dispersions on either the Allies or the Axis, um, sure. and so it wasn't allowed to be played there. You know, it's 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 one of those things, and and, and there are only there are only three people in this movie that were actually born in the United States. Um, oh, really? Bogart. Um, Sam and the the Bulgarian refugee girl who almost okay yeah, Louis, yeah. Right? but but she is like the niece or something of Jack um, Warner you know the head oh. of the studio so yeah, sure, sure. Okay. her name is Joy something right. but but everybody else I mean now some of them had come over you know immigrated earlier or something like that right. but a lot of these they're refugees from Europe all over the place um when you watch these people act, they're not even acting. They're like, they're, they're, they're they believe what they're doing, especially the, the scene when they all start singing the, the, the Marseille right before the bridge mm-hmm. gets shut down. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of them, 
immigrated away from the Germans or from the Soviets because there's a couple people that are that are Russian immigrants. That are Russian, yeah. Um, but but I mean, even General Strasser, the the German guy, what fled the the Germans, but because he had such a good accent, he kept getting cast in in roles as as the as the Nazi, even as though he Nazi. was he 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 ran away from the Nazis. Yeah, that's um, great. Well, that that's something I was going to comment on is that, that I actually had a hard time with the accent. It didn't have a hard time. I just kept saying like, oh, this is a product of the time because the accents weren't like sometimes French accent came in and out of some people <laughs> right yeah. and 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 then there was like the german i'm like okay i think he's speaking german but he's got a british accent sometimes you know or the the italian guy's doing great italian and then speaks with an, a british accent and it's like they were there were scenes where they were trying but it's weird to hear that you said you tell you tell me that they're actually immigrants because it, so, it's the, 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 sometimes that happens in europe three. when they're uh when they're when they learn English, they learn it from English English people, so they have an English accent. Mm-hmm. Even though they're, I mean, you know, Bergman was an American by the time, but she wasn't born here. She's you know? Swedish, uh, uh, but a lot of them knew better than the Americans who would have been watching this originally. A lot of them knew what was going on in Europe way the more sentiment. than we did. Yeah. So, so yeah. as propaganda movie, that you know, they they have an emotion here. You know, they're, they're trying to convince Rick to come over to the good side. He's being the isolationist. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's something we we can't really have this conversation about this movie, which, again, I want to state, it's a great movie by itself. It's entertaining without knowing any historical stuff. It's just a good movie. But, wow, you to really appreciate this movie, you got to know exactly when it was made, right? Like, it's 42. I was going to say, when you you said that about, about enjoying this, basically, I mean, if you boil it down, there are two kinds of of old movie that you could call a classic. Some are classic on their own just because of the story. I think for the most part, It's a Wonderful Life is one of those. Another, you know, as you say, was kind of a B movie when it came out, but gained popularity over mm-hmm. the years. It does have one um, really good, like, emotion romance scene between Jimmy Stewart and, and Donna Reed, but not, like, earth-shattering, not, like, the first time... Um, um, Hitchcock did a dolly zoom, a dolly zoom, or anything like that. Um, so there are, yeah, movies that are significant because of their impact on film, and then movies that are significant because in the hundreds and thousands of movies that have been made, you know, after eighty years, this one still holds up. Um, but I agree it does that hold up, it does. you can still get a lot of the story, at least as far as the relationship between, um, um rick and ilsa but really i mean to me a big part of the appreciation for it comes from knowing that it came out like right in the middle of the war i mean it's somewhere in my mind i think of it as like all one big chunk you know like the blip in the mcu or like COVID is now (laughs) like they were making movies before the war and then the war happened so they were fighting the war they were trying to push the Nazis back. And then after they started making movies, you know, there's uh, the great dictator at the beginning. And then it's wonderful life is just a couple years after, um, after the war. That's one of, one of the, the things that if you know, makes it more significant because uh, you know, Jimmy Stewart didn't think that he could go back to acting after what he experienced in the war. And then he, you know, puts in this, right. this amazing performance. As, yeah, well, as well when Bailey. this one, 
This one wasn't just made in the middle of the war. I mean, it was for a lot of people, but the most important thing here was that it was made before December 7th, 1942. Like it was written no. and wait, directed. Wait, wait, time out. Time out. Time out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pearl Harbor happened in 41. Yeah. Oh, 41. 41. So it happened. Dude, so after, it happened sorry. in December. Yeah. It happened December 41. They start shooting in the spring of 42. Right. So. So Pearl Harbor is fresh in everybody's mind. We haven't sent we haven't sent boys over to Europe yet, but they're being trained. They're being but did did, did this know. was this written and put forward okay. before that? Okay, this is this is based. It was written while it was being filmed. It was it was okay. based off a play. So a guy in the 30s had went over to like Austria. And saw Hitler come in and take over Austria, or maybe maybe Czechoslovakia, or in World War One. No, 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 no. This is the 1930s. This One is like this is Hitler's rise. Hitler's rise to power. Right. Yeah. We're not at war, okay. but but Hitler's in charge of Germany. So he goes over and he sees what's going on there, and he sees people starting to be refugees and starting to leave. And then he goes over to the south of France on the same trip, um, and he goes to this club. And people from all over Europe are there. It's it's in southern France. It's it's pre-war. People are treating it like you know the rolling roaring twenties or whatever, even though it's mm-hmm. the thirties. Um, and he sees like an amalgamation of all these Europeans who are all there, and some are refugees. And it reminds him of that's that's the basis for Rick's Cafe. The play was called Everybody Comes to Rick's. Mm. Um, okay. Um, then uh, the Warner Warner Brothers. The play was never produced. Um. It was never produced, but uh, the Warner Brothers bought it for like twenty thousand dollars. It was the most money that a studio have ever bought, uh, paid for for a play, and then, wow. and then it starts to, and then you know it gets worked, and they they start, they start filming it, but they start filming it, you know, right after, um, not right after, Pearl Harbor's like in December. It was they like start February filming in, in May when they started filming it. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's almost immediately afterwards, and and and. They tried to have this release the same time as when the Americans started um, – well, the Americans with the British um, – when the invasion of Africa started, which if you've seen the movie Patton, you kind of know when the, the invasion of Africa was, right, um, when we came over and yeah. started doing that. It's a little later, but yeah. So Right, yeah. And and so – It was the we, darkest – have... But yes, it was the darkest days of, of World War II. Yeah, we got, yeah, been yeah, we, got toward, we got toward the end of this movie and there's – a line I think Laszlo says something like, you know, this time we're we're gonna we're gonna push back and and this time, you know, maybe we'll This time we'll, I know our our side will win. Our side will win. And I and I double checked the dates because I couldn't remember off the top of my head when D Day was, but I'm like, yeah, that's not until forty four. That's uh you know, that's still a hope and a dream in the future. It's not like saving Private Ryan in the World War Two movies we've made after that that are you know a little bit no fan fan service isn't the right word but you're like you tell a story before those events and are like granted i know saving private ryan happens after that but um it's that idea where you're like you tell this story and they're like man i hope we can do it and of course for all of us watching we're like and for them making it we're like yeah we know you're gonna you're gonna do it we all learned about it in school but for this movie it was still in the future yeah, yeah. You, you think think about it though. Like when this came out, they're talking about events that happened a year ago, right? Yeah. Like this is this is something that to them happened last year. So this is like next summer, 
a movie about what happened in the Trump administration for coronavirus, right? I mean, we don't talk about politics on the show, but that's that's what this is like does, right? It immediately starts talking about and and centers around very current events. When yep. when we had a uh, say desert storm happened and we, we that happened, it wasn't a year later that we had all of the things that uh, a story set during desert storm and was a political thing. This movie was very much about what was happening in France and all the people there and uh, leading uh, revolutions against the Germans and uh, concentration camps. Like, right? Like, yeah, it really, yeah, it really more, is, as, as Brian that, said, a, a form of propaganda. It is. It is. Even that, though, that when they use the word concentration camp, they don't know actually what's going on when we hear the word concentration. That, that was my first camp. thought when I, when I heard that expression, concentration camp. I was like, man, we watched... Last year we watched um, um, Schindler's, Schindler's List. List, and I'm like, man, even it's not even like they're writing characters that don't know. The people making this movie didn't know, yeah. right? How bad I, right. this is. This is also, you know, this is. I mean, the movie's supposed to. The movie is before um, Pearl Harbor. It's set before Pearl Harbor, so that right. Rick can be neutral. He, he, I, I stick my, I stick my dick out for nobody. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a drunkard, so I'm a citizen of the world. I, I'm a what, what's the other one? Uh, that's a wise foreign policy. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, I don't side with anybody. Oh, that's right. a wise foreign policy. And, and if you if if you know late '30s, there was a large strain of uh, isolationist in the U.S. because a lot of the people who were yeah. in power had been in World War One, had gone over to Europe, had had. Uh, you know, European entire generation had died, but but a whole lot of American boys had died for for what? You know, right. for for yeah. one royal crown beats another royal crown. It's, it's like crown, who cares, yeah. right? Right. Um, to make the world safe for democracy, according to Wilson, and then you know, it, democracy is is the Nazi power that or whatever. This is also yeah. when the movie come out. When the movie comes out, um, Germany has already broken the the Soviet pact, the German Soviet pact, and they're already pretty deep into Russia too. So if you just look at a map of like, when this comes out, you have the entire middle, all of Europe in one color and it's all whatever color Germany, red. Yeah. You know? Right. So, so that puts that, that puts this on a, on a, uh, historical movie map for people who are like, I want to, you know, it's interesting to see what was happening, what people were thinking, what people were doing at the time. But uh, when it when it was coming out again, it wasn't that big of a deal or wasn't, you know, a huge thing because, again, we didn't we didn't have perspective then. You didn't have perspective of like what's going to happen or the war is going to last for so many years or there's going to be a, a nuclear bombs dropped. And, and <laughs> you don't have that perspective. It's just propaganda <laughs> yeah. in a normal movie. But but right. you want to you want to yeah but you want to compare this movie to the other movies that were coming out at the same time. Now the Warner Brothers studio had gone full on pro America anti Nazi stuff, and they were putting out a yeah. whole lot of stuff. Um, you know Reagan Ronald Reagan was in a couple movies. You know that were just and if you watch them, it's just like eh. it's <laughs> it's just this just feels like propaganda, right? This is just like mm-hmm. the good American, the bad German, whatever. Sure, this right, movie. Yeah. So so it's like a whole bunch of superhero movies come out, but one is written really really well, and the rest are all schlock. Right, and yeah. that's what and that's what Casablanca is. It's it's one that like, it's a whole genre of stuffs coming out, and this one just rises above because it's a because it's other elements going on, and it's just a good movie. 
Well, I will. I will say this. Uh, I will admit a, uh, a a fallacy in my education, <laughs> um, but I was enlightened by this movie. So I think Dennis had mentioned in one of our chat things here is that uh, like he had to Google some things, right? Like, and and I I did too. I was I was I heard the opening. It happened pretty quickly. It gave up. The, it gave you the setting, and then you know moved right forward. And all these characters start coming on the screen, um, and I didn't. And again, because the accents weren't very recognizable, I didn't know like. Who are these supposed to be? What what is he and who's that and what are they talking about? So I had to pause the movie at about twenty minutes in and like, all right, I got to see where is this? What's happening? I don't understand you, this French thing. You do thing, kind of get a lot of French thing, a lot of info dump right at the beginning. Like a well, lot. The, you have to, the you pacing really of the story it. slows down once uh, Ingrid Bergman shows up. Yes, for sure. So, so I did the Google, the Googles and the thing, the, the thing I learned because of the Googles, uh, was, uh, like I'm going to, again, I'm on air admitting it. I, when I was growing up and I heard that France, uh, surrendered to the Nazis in world war two, I just, in my mind, envision the country of France is now occupied country. And that is not how it was. I mean, sure. yes, but there was still like free France, there was occupied France, there was a French government that was uh was it working with the the German people, there were people resistance, you know, there's I mean I know he's new about the resistance, but France was divided into a lot of different things by a lot of different stuff. It wasn't the same map that you know now uh, or even then. So I was like, "Oh, I didn't realize that there was like a whole uh like government that was not pro Nazi, but they were like, okay, we gave up and we gave concessions. And then now we're, now we're part of the German control and we go along with them. And that's what this, um, uh, police chief is right. Uh, No, I mean, he is for the first parts (laughs) of the movie. Most of the movie, he is right. As as he states, he, you know, this is a little French outpost and there was a whole lot of French, you know, they were a colonial power. So like Vietnam was a French outpost and the people there might decide to go one way or another. You you just have that everywhere. They're they're the colonies. Um, So France itself would surrendered, but the, the colonies, you know, tried to stay neutral. Could go one way or another. Um, Yeah. uh, He says, what does Louis say? Louis says, you know, right now I, I'm, I, I side with the I, I side with whichever way the wind blows, and, and currently it blows from Berlin, you know. Yeah. And I don't see or from Vichy, and I don't I don't see the Nazis allowing the wind not to blow from Vichy, you know. He, right. He says that at the table. It's like okay, and the, the German Schauscher says, you know, well, what 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 side are you on, you know? Um. Well, that was really blew. important to me. Like so this I did, was did, well. Did, no, Go ahead. So, so, so I guess what I'm saying is that Casablanca, at least in movie world here, is like a free city where you can have yeah. an American walking around with uh, with Italians, and then you would have like that one guy at the bar that says Cheerio. So he's like, "Wait, why is a British guy here?" Um, yeah, right. <laughs> right. Probably helping well, the, and, the underground or whatever. And even talking about this movie when it was made in its time, even that little like subtle side dig where he says, "You know, the wind blows from." from berlin i mean vichy is this like clearly vichy is just a public uh, a puppet government of 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 berlin um of the nazis but even at the time when this came out i bet there were people who thought the other way 
or you know we're like no that's just they're just side you know it's just like you know Mussolini or whatever um well yeah. no they, they would say that you know the Germans ran over the two weeks and and they decided to uh, wouldn't have thought as total war the yeah, way we do now right. exactly right? Germany Germany ran them all the way back um um and then you know the you had some what twenty forty thousand French troops got across uh, the channel with the with the British soldiers, maybe a lot less than mm. that. Um, you remember that movie from a couple of years ago? Um, and it starts with a D, and I can't remember Dunkirk. it off the top of my head. Dun- yeah, Dunkirk. Dun- yeah, Dunkirk. Um, you have that happen, and the government surrenders. Yeah, you know yeah. that is a, that that is what war was like. Yeah, civilized countries right. before, before you know, no surrender. Um, no, I mean, we we uh, still kind of have that with like Croatia and things like that, you know, happening and or the you know the Russian type stuff. We still have these kind of invasions, and they just give up, and it's just a thing, right? And you just move well, on. Well, yeah, no, World War One, you know, the 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 Russian government fell, um, and then they surrendered to germany and they drew the lines and and that was it and the war in the on the western fronts kept going so so some people could say no france just lost well that that's that's really important though to to know and that's something that i gotta say this is the only one that i can identify squarely that sits right on the edge of the war and it's super important because now that i know that now that i know these things the whole movie makes sense right the move <laughs> that i was because i did i just didn't understand how this rebel against Germany could just walk into a, a, a bar, no big deal, and sit there in order with his girlfriend, and, and the, everyone knows he's there. The Nazis and there's a can't whole arrest him. Like, like in every portrayal you see of Nazis, like they have supreme bully power over everyone around them. Everything, but yes. you're in this setting where like they're not in charge. They're tourists, like everybody else. Like they have a lot of you know, strong influence over the the police force, but they are not in charge. Yeah, that that was probably the biggest thing that threw me back a lot yeah, here is that same. they were there. You, you said, said it very well, Dennis, that they had these bully powers and everything. Everything I've always seen a Nazi in, they are, like you said, in charge type stuff. But this one, like not the Nazi, Ryan maybe would know more about this. The Nazis seem to come out after World War One relatively quickly. And took charge and started making these moves no, really fast. No, World War One ended in 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 eighteen, and then yeah. Hitler, gosh, Hitler was in jail. And what he did the beer hall thing in thirty three. I don't think he. I mean, he wasn't in power until you know thirty six, maybe. Right. Maybe, and, no, and maybe then, thirty. And, maybe he was. He got elected vice chancellor in what thirty three or thirty four or something like that. So. Yeah, it was. A I mean, slow, less less a than a decade, rise, though. But I don't know. I mean, less than a decade for an entire party to come up, take dominance, and, and then start taking over the world in a bully fashion. Like that's sure. less than a decade in the history of things. That's really fast. Uh, and to put like to, if it happened today, it would put everyone on our heels. Well, Lenin, Lenin did it. Though. I don't know. Lenin did it faster. In Russia, <laughs> well, yeah, things could be different then. That's so, true. so anyway, the, the, a, there wasn't a, whole a lot conversation of conversation there about like recovery from a crisis, right? And and what kind right. of th- the desperation, um, of right? The so, so this movie sits there, right there, right when when they yeah. aren't 
the bullies that we know them. Well, they no, are. no, 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 they no. Aren't I, I fully think, the bullies. I, I think they are, but if you make them, uh, we don't know about it yet. Yes, right. Because I think if you know, turn on your. If this happened in the real world, then the Gestapo would have shown up and he would have just disappeared. Yes, right, right. right. He just would have okay, disappeared so, so, and then whatever movie. Up. So, so mo- moving out of it, it's hard to not talk the whole show about historical stuff, but w- w- I really want to. It's, it's really enticing. But uh, let's talk about the, some of the movie, though, itself. I, I got to say, I, the music that comes from this is which one of the things it's most well-known for. Mm-hmm. I'm going to sound really terrible here, but uh, they used a lot of that track in the show uh, Sleepless in Seattle. And when I was a teenager is when uh, Sleepless in Seattle came out. Oh, there's a I lot of soundtrack. Yeah, there's a lot of Louis Armstrong in that movie soundtrack right so i was they use a lot of casablanca and uh when harry met sally too they make a lot of yes. allusions to it too mm-hmm. yes yes so so when i heard that the all the the music playing through i'm like it felt very familiar to me like oh yeah this this is right and and now it didn't make me sometimes i think oh they got that from sleep in seattle but obviously not now i could clearly say oh these movies were inspired by Casablanca soundtrack right. and stuff, and they're they're hearkening back to this love story in these other love stories. But you, and like, oh, you that know makes it a lot more of sense. from from the newer thing where it's. I mean, at the time, it's probably you know pretty new. Not maybe not new, but like music of the time where in the, those the, those eighties rom coms, it was more uh, you know classic the, throwback uh, soundtrack. Okay, so again, I know this movie too well um the, <laughs> the um the the, the uh the, oh the the main the main song um uh, as time goes by as time goes as by time was like by. a 1920s like pop song that really didn't go anywhere that they mm. yeah that they put in here and then sam was supposed to be working on something like one 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 story arc that just didn't happen but sam was working on something and then that became the love song Okay. So yeah. you'd see him and he'd be like sort of playing and like, but, but, but instead they just, as time goes by, just, just, they wound it into the, into the plot too much. So it just became the song, even though it was just like this song from the twenties that, that wasn't. Well, it's like a major hit. thing to the plot then. Like, like, I mean it, right. And maybe that's a little bit about the acting as well. Cause like when, when he's playing it in the way that the two of them react to it so strongly in that initial scene, sets yeah. it up and then this movie does a lot of reinforcing their thoughts like he will come out and then say like play that song again so yeah. I'm, I'm ticked off and play that song because i'm in love and right <laughs> yeah yeah a yeah. lot of that is just the era right they were still i mean a couple probably 15 years out of the out of the silent era but still a lot of the acting was really big because people didn't see movies we weren't as used to interpreting emotions that way on the screen well here's here's one of the and this will ruin the next time you watch the movie um say <laughs> it on me brian uh, Lay it on uh, me dulcie wilson uh the guy who played sam was a drummer he, he was an actor but he was also a, a drummer he was he was he could drum um mm-hmm. he did not know how to play a piano play the piano yeah. <laughs> if you Thanks watch his hands like like I, I read this last week sometime and then when me and cindy were watching it on saturday I, I told her that, and then we're watching his hands when they when one of the when scenes happen, and we're both like, "Ah, oh, it's oh, like it's so when uh, it's, it's 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 just bad." It's like when someone pointed out to me how bad Jonathan Frakes' trombone playing is on Star Trek: Next Generation. Oh yeah, yeah. And then it's when real, I see it, I'm real. like, 
Oh, it's not even close. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, I right. I watched this movie with um all of my family that are here, and I bring them up every once in a while because they we span a wide range of ages and and demographics. My youngest sister is twenty, and so Dad kept pausing the movie to explain stuff to her, <laughs> she doesn't know, you know, from World War Two. Uh, but uh, as the first time you see Sam, my youngest sister played piano a lot and uh she's like oh that's like she spotted it right away <laughs> she, that's terrible yeah yeah well i i will say that sam sam i is a really likable character i like him a whole lot but the, the most interesting thing about sam is like i really want to go to a club where the piano is portable and the dude just grabs the chair throws it on top <laughs> like of it and moves the it piano away. around he's gonna the take his piano and go yeah, that's awesome. Like even at night when when he's in the in there, he's getting drunk into the thing. Sam pulls up the piano, puts puts the seat down, and it's like I'm going to play a tune. <laughs> like, that's so good. Like, well, she, we'll she see, calls, and that's and that's one of those things where 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 Rick is like, "What do you what are you playing on? He what are you, what are you playing?" He's like, "Oh, just something I'm working on." Right? Yeah. And he's like, "Don't, right. don't yeah. play that. Play what I want you to play. You know, you play, play for her, you can play it for me." And it's just like. That was a plot element that disappeared. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, the the first time I noticed it though was was when she calls. She says she tells the bartender. She says like, uh, "Have the the piano guy." I can't remember the line. Says, "Come come over and see me." And I thought she's just going to say hi to an old friend. Sure enough, that guy wheels over his piano, sits down next to her, and has a conversation. I'm like, <laughs> "Wait, what?" <laughs> been a long time, Miss Elsa. How does he fit it between the tables? How's how's it work? Right, right. Yeah. So yeah. evidently, it's not just the violinists that go table to table to play music. It's the piano players. Too. <laughs> yeah, at, at Rick's yeah. anyway. Just, just in Northern yeah. Africa in 1940. <laughs> Clearly, where that, they that have was, a limitless was good, supply though. of bourbon somehow. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, so more on a little bit on social issues with this one. Um, I had read about how Brian had said that they are. Um, you know, they were they were writing this as they go along. They were cha- not sure about endings and whatnot, who they were going to end up with. Uh, and, and a lot of the big plot point was clearly the fact that, uh, you know, she can't end up with um, uh, someone else. I know we didn't talk spoiler bells here, but we've kind of been talking spoilers. Uh, is that um, she can't end up with somebody when she's married. Right. Because that's the time she, period. She can't she, be, she she can't can't be, be married unfaithful in, to her husband in 1943. Right. But I, I get that that thought of the time, but, but this movie does a lot of pushing that boundaries, right? It does. If, if anything today, we have a word for it called polyamory. The, the idea that, that you can, <laughs> I know that sounds very political, but that's the way this is here. There is never a time when Rick and, uh, is it Laszlo? What's, what's the guy's name? Yeah. Laszlo. Uh, yeah. yeah. Are angry with each other. They, they never at any point are they jealous men never at any point do, do any of the three of them have anything but like true love for the people that they love and it's all kind of an accepted thing that's true i right? mean and the, the story explains all of the like logistics of it in that she thought he was dead uh you know before but they don't do that met. until later in the they movie they don't do it until later and you're right that there doesn't seem to be any sort of jealous hard feelings between uh, Rick and and Laszlo. That's because that's because Rick is is a former ideologue who, when they say he ran guns to Europe, Ethiopia, hmm. that was the second um, Ethiopian Italian War, right? So he was mm-hmm. running guns against Mussolini. Okay, right. Yeah, 
right? So it's, it's like, oh, what? And he says he vote for he he fought with uh, he was running guns or He's fighting in the Spanish War too in the Spanish War against Franco the fascist, right? Right. So it comes in. It's like, you know, oh, who's coming in here? Oh, Laszlo. It's like he immediately knows who it is, and that yep. is who he wishes he could have been. Right, the ideologue in him. If he had he, that would be him fighting. Instead, he's just a, a bar owner, like drowning right. his fears, like right. a very and, successful and that, bar owner, but just someone in the edge of the edge of the world. Right, and and that's that's something that this. I don't think it it really shies away from or tries to hide or do anything else. Like it's pretty straightforward out there, and they even have very good scene later on in the in the in the movie, the third act, where. Laszlo meets with Rick and they just flat out address it. They're like, you know, hey, sort I, of, but you, but it's you never saw said her. That Laszlo, it's never really said that Laszlo knew that they had a relationship. Oh, but it's close, right? Like well, Laszlo talks to him and says, we knew each other. It's clear to us. That doesn't mean it's clear to Laszlo. Right. Oh, he hasn't I guess. seen I, them. I, I know that Laszlo talks to her and says, you, you, you saw him or, or something like that. Like when I was in the concentration camp no, and you, he you never said, blamed her. When you long, were you lonely then? Just like, right, yeah. 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 Right. So, so, so the, it kind of feels that they knew and they were all about it. And, and that was just something that I found really interesting for a movie that this, that's this old, that you can have this kind of like, yes, she really loves Rick and she really loves him. And they do a good thing to, to establish her feelings for, for Laszlo that like he's a, a legitimately amazing guy and she admires him and wants everything. And, and she says, is it love? I don't know, but it is. Um, no, but she, he loves she her. doesn't, she doesn't want everything he wants. But she, yes. So the scene where they're all singing, you know, the German mm-hmm. startup, the, 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 the mm-hmm. fatherland. And then all of a sudden the, the, you know, the French and everybody else rises up. You see, even you see the woman who went over and started the, the Rick's ex-girlfriend who went over yeah. and started, um, dating the German, she rises up and she's very, very emotional when they're playing the Lamaze. Yeah, yeah. Elsa isn't. Yeah. She is the one she person not, right. doesn't have emotions on her face. She loves him. She is not in love with the cause. I mean, she wants the Nazis yeah. to lose, right? But but it shows right there that like she's what makes him tick. But the revel, the, but but the but the cause isn't what makes her tick. Right. Yeah, I can see that. And and but she so that that opens up her feelings for. Rick. Yeah. And so anyway, that was that was a really interesting thing to me that that I, I found yeah, that the, I admired. I never felt she's, like she's so her emotions are so conflicted that she, you know, dumps it on Rick and makes him decide. Yeah. And then, you know, his decision sort of influences the both of them and also and also Louis. The the relationship stuff is it's kind of progressive in an almost like unintentional way very yeah i thought it was very i mean again i'm not taking progressive standpoints but i thought that this movie for a 1940s movie was very even modernly progressive that it was so open with their okayness of that and acceptance and then the way that you know rick gives up his part in that relationship to further on these other two for whatever reason that might be. And then they even smooth it over. He talks to Laszlo and, and like covers for her. Right. Yeah. Like that, that was yeah. so well done on for that relate, all those relationships that when I wa- and you end up watching this with this show over, you're like, man, what legitimately great relationships these people are like, sorry, not great, <laughs> but true, true relationships. True, that these real, people have. Yeah. 
just complicated, yeah. you know, a little bit messy kind of uh, situations. The guy who doesn't have the messy relationships is Louie and his little love interest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That's another scene that, that, like, talk about feeling uncomfortable. Like, they didn't say the straight up words, but, like, that dude it was a scumbag. Like, he's clearly trying to make this married woman sleep with him. And, you know, Rick saves her. Saves her, but it's cool not the first way. time. I mean, tomorrow night there's going to be a blonde, he says. Yeah. And, uh, and after yeah, the they one do. Meeting, is that... they come up to him and say, there's another, there's another visa issue. This is his MO. This is what he does. He's his, the, pretty much the a way serial that he operates. They did that scene with the with the wife and and Humphrey Bogart, where you know she says that wouldn't you do? You know, do you think that a husband could forgive? You know, et cetera, et cetera. And mm. um, she she walks away, and my sister, went, what just happened there? And I'm like, well, it's implied that she slept with Louis too. That she was going to. She She was going to. Or was at least willing to, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, as that was was happening and and she said that and then that that conversation was over, I think I kind of felt it. But then when it was over and Rick starts kind of making moves to to have her or her husband win, I was like, oh, man, that's straight up exactly what that was. That cop is a total terrible person, (laughs) right? And and uh, and then he, he walks over to to Rick at the end. He's like, "Stay out of my romantic endeavors," or something. I'm like, "What a jerk!" Like, that's... <laughs> but but he's good natured about it. He's like, "Oh, you got me this time, but hey, don't do that to, to me tomorrow." It's... Talk. Let's talk about that guy. That guy is something, right? Like that character. That's a very unique character. That police chief. Yeah, I mean, he has loyalties to whichever way the wind's blowing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. He's like, Rick, you're my friend, but oh, our other friend, Ugotti. Um Ugotti is the you know, hide me, Rick, hide me, uh what, Peter Peter Laurie or whatever. The guy yeah, everybody right, yeah. knows, but he gets so few, little time. It's like, yeah. yeah, we can't decide if he, you know, died trying to escape or committed suicide in his jail. It's like you just flat out killed somebody. Okay, whatever. And he's just right. flippant about it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and and then in the next scene, he's like the number one schmoozer at all. Like this is the chief of police and he must like live at Rick's because he goes from table to table and is in every conversation and he's happy and he's smoothing over everything. Right. Because he orders drinks, they give him a bill and he rips up the bill. It's a little game we play. Yeah. (laughs) If I was getting free drinks there too, I'd, I'd, I'd live there too. Yeah. And and he's like, it's funny, like a, a couple characters would be introduced or come together. And sure enough, here comes the police chief walking over and he sits and he sits down and he starts talking to them and, and bridging the gap between the two or the three or the four, whatever it is. I'm like, wow, this guy is everybody's friend, but well, not he's, your he's, friend. He's like a true politician, right? Like he, the, he says that the wind is blowing from Berlin. And so he's, he's basically just bending over for the, for the Nazis, whatever they, whatever they want up to a point. But in addition to that, he's also, you know, schmoozing and glad handing with all of the, the people at Rick's so that he keeps, you know, the, the, the love of the people as it were. Yeah. And, and there's the, there's the, uh, then the, the big scene at the end Again, spoiler alert here, like he becomes French true and true, right? Like, he throws he, he, he throws the vichy water in the yeah he yeah 
he becomes so, part of the resistance or whatever. Whatever. Was that a joke? Was that actually water? No, it's like Perry. I didn't understand right? the water part. So, well, it said Vichy on it. It did. Yeah, I thought that maybe it was supposed to be some kind of wine, and that that was a joke. Yeah. No, what the, is the What is the story the joke, behind that? Okay. So Vichy was the name of the puppet government. Right. Yes. It's the right. Vichy government. So when he throws the water away, he is throwing away his allegiance to them. Yeah. He he put, he finally chose a side. The same time that that Humphrey Bogart also chose a side by by yeah. shooting General Strasser. Right. Right. That that was again a great ending there. Uh, just from the fact that like, oh, that works out because the only the, the German. It's not like Germany is. Uh, big bullies in that city. It's just that one dude that's you know in charge of the guys, and if he's dead, he can go well, wherever he, he wants. You know, and he well, leaves it up to to Louis, right? Like Louis has the choice yeah. there who he's gonna who he's gonna pick, and he and he picks you know his friend Rick. And, but but it, yeah. it reminds me of okay, so this scene that they said when they shot it, it didn't work, um, and it reminds me of the the Star Wars, I love you. I know kind of thing because yeah. it, uh-huh. it, it, it cuts the one cuts the other. Cause, and so this one, they, they said, you know, Rick says that he shoots him and he says, round up the usual suspects and the writers yeah. go in there and they're like, wait, no, you have to like get the reaction shot and the other shot, you know, and as soon as they did that, they're like, okay, we have our ending. This is, this is perfect. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was, that was a great, I actually thought it was going to be a bit of a tragedy at the end there, which again, I want to point out to anybody of our listeners here when they talk about how I like good endings versus whatever endings. There's so many movies that could just play this and be like Rick gets arrested and goes away. And that would have spoiled the movie. Not spoiled the movie, but it would have made it not as good. But they gave us a cool twist ending to make it a positive-ish well, ending. Well, and well they set up for a sequel, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, no, no, yeah. because because the two – because they, they thought about shooting scenes with um, – Rick and Louie, like, being together on the beachhead when they were invading Africa. Like, that would be the end of the movie. Oh, and they're like, no, a... that just doesn't work. Like, they went no. off to the Free French Garrison. So they, they, they say that. They're going to get letters to transit to go to the Free French Garrison. That is a garrison that isn't one of these free cities that floats both ways. That is a that is a place of the anti-Vichy government people, like yeah. the, the De Gaullist. Yeah. Um, Man, talk— Talk about so many one-liners. You get you get Arnold Schwarzenegger level one-liners in this movie, right? <laughs> what, so, so the other way they could have ended it then was having the Germans like kill Laszlo and maybe Rick shooting him back, and then also right. and then the marriage would be over, right? Because he'd be dead. He'd be a martyr to the cause. Yeah. More people rise up, and then Rick and Elsa go off, and like you know that's what turns him to be in favor of the war or something like that. That was another option, but obviously it didn't happen. But that yeah, would get they're, around they're, the censors of, of she can choose him if her husband dies. Right. 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 Yeah. There, there was a lot of ways that this could have gone, but I got to say that the ending that they, the way they did the ending was perfect. I mean, again, I don't think it's, um, except for, um, uh, Louis changing over to, to the good guy side, quote unquote. Um, but the, Besides that, I think it was pretty predictable, but I think it was perfect. I think it, it worked. It did everything. It, it tied up everything nicely. It gave you hope at the ending, which you want in a propaganda movie, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, inspiration and kind of had a good thing while still not having a great ending and that he didn't get the girl in the end. Right. Uh, the war wasn't won, you know, and, and the Germans were still around and Casablanca wasn't saved. 
and, 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 but, but they all sacrifice, right? He sacrifices her. You know what he says? You know, the, the problems mm-hmm. of two little people don't amount to the hill of beans. You know, we all have to sacrifice for the greater good, which is defeating the Nazis. Yeah, right. right. So, so this didn't have an ending, like an ending of, yes, the, the we won and won the war. Because, again, we were not there. We hadn't um, won the war yet. Right. It's definitely a now we're going into the war type ending. Ending, yeah. Right? Uh, which is pretty great and awesome. So uh, let, let's move into some final thoughts. We've been a long time on this this movie, but um, I I got to say that, like, again, it's not for what Dennis might say a lot of times. is like where its place in cinematic history is the most important thing. I don't think as a cinema piece, it's the biggest thing that makes this movie. I think it makes it, it's just a good movie for itself. It fits wonderful in the, the history and the time that it was made. Uh, it tells us a lot about the world and a lot about people. And it challenges a lot of the, the different movie tropes that we would have and makes good ones. Even to today, we don't have as good of relationships, of historical things, of plots, of people, of characters. We still don't have a lot of those good movies that we have had back then in this movie that this movie just gives us all the time. Would this be in your top 100, Dennis? I think so. I mean, I think even for... You know, not doing anything remarkable in its film. It's almost um, not really serendipitous because it's it's um, you know sort of made as this as this propaganda piece. But as you see, like the events that were happening around it and what what became like in the same space as um, the Great Dictator, which we saw last year, and sort mm-hmm, of like uh-huh, yeah. it's it's significant and it's in its history. I think this one also has a really good inch. I mean, we talked at length about the historical significance, but we also talked a lot about um, this complex relationship. This, you know, a love triangle is a super common trope right now, but the way that this was handled in this era so long ago, I mean, we talked about the ending and how it, it could have gone different ways, but they were sort of boxed into doing the ending a specific way because of the, the censors and the and the, uh, the the social climate of the time um, that just make it uh, you know hold up and stand out in this um, you know sort of era of of film. We only have a couple uh, on this on this list from this sort of classic studio system era, um, and this one is much more watchable than say Citizen Kane. Oh yeah, for sure. This one better and uh, Vertigo, Citizen Kane. Again, not putting those down. They were fine in their own rights, but this one, same era, and completely watchable, understandable, smooth, smooth feeling. Uh, Brian, I, you've already kind of mentioned this is your number one of all time, so <laughs> not a big thing. But um, can you tell us, to, in closing, for this, your comments on this one? Wh- why? Why is this better than anything that you've ever seen? What What is the characteristics that makes you love it so much? Because because it. I think because it clicks all the boxes. Um, yeah, you you take away the historical aspect, and it's still a it's it's still a good love story. You know, you take away the love story, it's a funny movie, right? Yeah, this will take this thing out of being occupied. I just there's so many lines from it that I use way too often, and then get sad when people don't recognize that I'm quoting Casablanca. <laughs> just as a historical thing, it just it it clicks. It clicks all these all these boxes, and. Yeah. Uh, just so 
it's one of those things where it, it's not like like Citizen Kane has better shots. You know the way the way he used shadows and, and angles and sure, yeah. and and the way sure. some of the sound design was was on that. It's better technically, better technically this, better. Correct. But, sure. But, you know this is so many years later, and you don't have to care about World War II to find this as a great movie. I agree with that. You know, people aren't that. pulling out Frank Kappa's Why We Fight, which is came out the same year, which is the, the documentaries about why we're fighting against the Nazis, which the Epsteins who wrote this movie also wrote some of that stuff. But you pull this out because it 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 works. It does. And and it's it's enduring, right? Like it it works even today. I mean, it, I, I think when I we talk a lot about how I can can I recommend this to someone today? I could recommend this to anyone today, anyone above a child, I guess, and I, they would find. I believe they would find it enjoyable. I'm shocked, shocked to find there's gambling going on here. There's so many things here that, <laughs> right. that, 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 that feel like cliches, but it's actually taken from this movie. The origin, yeah. the origin you know? of the cliche. Yeah, well, we watched it with um, both of my parents are 60, and my youngest sister is a recurring character on this podcast. She's 20. Um, mm-hmm. Myself and uh, my sister, Sarah, she's in her mid-30s, a few years younger than me. And we all all found something. To, now, of course, my parents have seen it many times. Uh, my dad, especially, he's a big history buff. But, uh, yeah, it's like it's got a little something for everybody, except maybe kids. Except, except for maybe kids, yeah. yeah I, but, I think... but if, only, if only one of the people, if only the, the crazy Russian bartender was like beaten up on a gopher or something, you would have everything. Yeah. Hey, can I, can I, in closing, can I mention, let's talk about funny things. Brian had mentioned like the pickpocket just randomly, like (laughs) he has no story, nothing. He just randomly on the scene and he pickpockets people. That's kind of a a riot. (laughs) That dude's great. Vultures, vultures everywhere. Vultures everywhere. At first I thought he was the same guy who, um, stole the, the letters of transit. Um, who gets no, yeah. picked yeah. up? Peter Lark, yeah. And then, you, and you then got, the, the pickpocket shows up again, and I'm like, "Oh no, that's not him. That's different. Just a random dude." Yeah, <laughs> a he, random he, dude. He bumps into Carl, and Carl immediately checks his pockets because he's <laughs> he's from the town, and he knows that guy. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I I don't even know like what they're what that dude they had him in the movie for, except to maybe show that like Casablanca is a dangerous place, or right. I basically. don't know, but he he was he was funny. He's definitely a funny thing. All right, so we only got a few minutes left here. Um, we'll we'll move in, into a little bit of different stuff. During, uh, I was kind of talk a little bit last week, but I didn't get a mention to like since we're on movies. Uh, how do you guys feel about like right now? We can't go to the theaters, and things are coming from movies straight to to streaming. Uh, how do you, the two of you? I know, Brian, you don't see a whole lot of movies in the theater. And Dennis, you used to not to before we started this whole show. How do you feel about, let's say, the demise of theaters? Like things just going straight straight to, to, to be sold at home or on streaming services these days. Do you think that this can further along the death of theaters now that things <laughs> like Star Wars are just going straight to, instead of being sold, they're going straight to streaming? Or I don't know. That's a, that's a big, heavy question here almost at the end of the show. I well, think my my sort of like hot take reaction to that is that I very often wish that I enjoyed the theater more. Yeah. Does does that make sense? Like I have this 
kind of, you know, because I saw the Majestic when I was a teenager or whenever that came mm-hmm. out. Um, this sort of romantic idea of what a theater is. I, you know, I still think it would be cool to buy a an old ish theater with one or two screens and uh, and run it. I think that would be a cool mm-hmm. uh, thing, you know, business to do. Um, but it's you know, I'm I'm not a I'm not uh, agoraphobic or anything, but I don't like crowds and am, you know, lean toward uh, introversion. But uh, it's really easy for a theater experience to be spoiled pretty, pretty badly. I think for one of either Infinity War or Endgame, I was a couple rows ahead of my dad and Sarah when I think Andrew was sitting with me. And we enjoyed the movie fine, where one of the... Um, either right in front of or right behind dad and Sarah was some nerdy guy going, you know, man, Gwyneth Paltrow sure looks old. Uh, and just like, <laughs> like running mystery science theater commentary through the whole movie. Or, you know, you get a group yeah. of rowdy middle schoolers or like somebody who has a fussing baby who doesn't like, why did you bring a baby to a movie in the first place? But then doesn't yeah. take them out. Um, all of that kind of stuff. So, I don't know. That doesn't really answer your question, but <laughs> some sort of sense of like, like, is the are movie theaters that great? Are they worth saving? Am I am I going to be sad if if more of them close? I mean, just on general principle, I'll be sad if more independent theaters close and AMC keeps buying them all because yeah, I, monopolies are I lame. Th- tr- true. I, I I tend to think about like I still enjoy. The drive-in. Have you, you guys ever used to go to drive-ins at all? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. yeah. Right. So, like, we Couple still times. have one here in Bloomington, and it's barely always on the almost going to go out of business type thing. That one that's um, almost down in Bedford. Yes, it's kind of just hard. You know, it's it's always on the fence whether it's going to survive or not. Um, yeah. And it's the last one I know of, even when around anywhere around. Uh, and that experience is something that I would dearly miss. Um, simply be and. You can always say a lot of the things that you're kind of saying for theaters. Like there's always some drunk guy yelling at stuff or throwing things or some kid walks in front of the projector and puts his hand in front of it. There's always Mm -hmm. some guy turning on his lights to find something in the yard and blinding the screen. (laughs) Right. There's always reasons that are kind of terrible for it. Yeah. Uh, But there's other experiences that it has that are are unique. And I, I don't know if, you know, this will be the end of of terrible, you know, the stuff. But. Um, it could be a hard thing. I mean, if they, if this goes terribly long, which I don't know, it really is. Um, but people start avoiding things. Studios may decide to start releasing things more on home screens and seeing things at home. And, uh, I don't know. It, it could be, um, I would say a death comp mail to it, but yeah. I, in, in high school, in 1993, I worked at a theater. I was there opening day working for Jurassic Park. We had a big paper mache dinosaur in the lobby. <laughs> nice, um, yeah. And I, I don't enjoy movie theaters at all. <laughs> and you I even worked there. <laughs> well, I I did then, you know, but that yeah. was different. Um, it, it'll be sad to see him go, but I think you know, once people get a habit of, I mean, once this is over and people are allowed, you know, recesses, people are allowed to go on recess, people will will go. But I don't know if people will really, really go a lot. Um, it really depends on the cost model, right? Wasn't there a movie recently released and it was like 20 bucks, which oh, makes sense if you that. have like five or six people? Oh, well, there was there was the, the troll movie. Like 
that okay, you're right. Yeah. That's yeah. That, the trolls was was released, and that was released on like streaming was the thing. It's like it was recently yeah. twenty bucks. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, which, you're right. Which if like, you have five or six right. people, you know that's that's your cost of going to the right. theater without popcorn. Thing. Right. If I'm just sitting here by myself watching that twenty bucks is a little steep, but yeah. I agree. Yeah. Or yeah. If, or if you're in a in a more populated area and the normal AMC ticket prices are twelve fifteen bucks, then maybe you're close. Sure. To already. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a, it's a weird thing, and I'm not sure that studios are prepared to to quite switch over yet, but. There's a lot of things that this quarantine stuff will hasten or move through. Uh, it'll be interesting to see a year or two from now if Hollywood changes or if this was just a little like writer's uh, uh, strike it, type thing. Man, I, I, theaters are too loud. I, mm. The people are too loud. The screens are too, <laughs> too loud. loud. Get off just my lawn. Get off my lawn. <laughs> yeah. it's, I mean, if there's anything I know about large monolithic uh publishing organizations is they are super agile oh well, yeah right adapting yeah, uh, to can you read can you, is it drip with sarcasm in there that, that, that was that was a joke i'd say yeah. probably the big thing for me because i'm now in a house with uh four four other adults um mm. the one big thing that i think i miss from theaters and you know some small small part of my brain goes maybe it wasn't so bad when there you know you could pause tv and there were commercial breaks because <laughs> yeah you didn't right you know have to like the somebody's phone rings and we pause the show and i'm like uh you can't just call them back like there are five of us here <laughs> like if i'm watching something by myself i'll pause it all the time sure but yeah. like a room full of people and then the idea of um i go through this every so often depending on what our movie is for the podcast I, I mean, for my entire adult life, go back and forth with this uh, illusion that I can watch a movie while multitasking and really experience the movie. <laughs> the and whole I, thing, yeah. I mean, right. I, I figured this out back in college, 15, almost 20 years ago, when I was, like, working on something with my hands, some sewing or, or nodding kind of something, while, uh, while trying to watch Apocalypse Now. And I'm like, I have no idea what's going on in this movie. And we watched it again uh, last this spring or last fall, I think, for um, for the show. And I'm like, man, so much of this movie is visual. There's nothing happening that you can hear. Like, you just yeah. have to see them moving up the river really slowly. Like, And that's a thing that you, in a theater, is your only option. Like, you're in a room, exactly. it's dark. If you turn your phone on you know, people are going to start throwing popcorn at you. Like you have to be focused a hundred percent. Right. On the movie. Right. Th that's what <laughs> I get sometimes. Now it's, it's hard for me. Uh, now I, I, I've always appreciated these things that like Dennis and I, since Dennis was, we would been so different with our media consumption with movies before we started this whole challenge and stuff, or even the show, it's been great experience kind of having that balancing thing because I'm the opposite. I'm a big, huge like theater person, I could fawn over it all day for reasons. Um, but the, the things I often hear, like, you know, I'm hearing somebody talk behind me or someone throwing popcorn or, or yelling too loud or babies. Like the alternative is, is that I also have that at home. Like if I want to watch Endgame, <laughs> I want to go to a place where it's dark and the thing is so loud that you have to actually be a complete jerk to talk louder over it as at home. People get up now and we'll just start talking and we'll start making dinner or get up for stuff. And it's like it's 
no big deal. So losing for me, like losing theaters would lose that that opportunity to, to go do yeah, those that's, things. That's basically well, all I'm saying. Can, can, yeah, can I, I just I say, as as the father of an 18 month old, <laughs> two or three years, <laughs> I, if, if the theaters are closed, that means I won't have to go see Toy Story 15 and Cars. Oh 7 yeah, that's and, true. Yeah. That's and, true. And Frozen 35 or, you know, whatever number they're at then. Well, the other side of that, Brian, is that you'll do like Dennis has been doing is that you'll start seeing like, oh, look at how many adult things they put in these movies. Right. Like there's so many. I can watch Bugs Bunny for that. (laughs) Oh, yeah, for sure. They've been doing it forever. I was talking to my my sister, Sarah, about that because she and my youngest sister watched like Hey Arnold or something. One of the cartoons (laughs) we watched as, as kids. And I said, I said, all you need to know about cartoons is that everything after Looney Tunes is terrible. The stuff you thought was great <laughs> as a kid will become terrible, but Looney Tunes still holds up. Looney Tunes does, does hold up pretty well. Pretty well. well, I, th- I think we did it, guys. We, we, we moved things through the whole world, and we uh, came out the other side alive for another week. Another the, Nazis, the Nazis are dead, and we get burned. We, we won. We did it. and we, I want to go to Rick's now. I want to go... The Ricks and have a piano player come up play at my. Uh, hey, if we ever start that movie bar, Dennis, let's have a small piano that goes around from table to table on, on wheels and a on wheels and a and a pianist just playing requests for people. Yes, and I'm going to have them play that song every time. So as much as I can. Cool. All right, good. Wrap wrap it up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. You've been listening to the Front Porch. This is episode 140. Thanks, as always, to our friends at Geek Scholars Movie News and LRM Online. Um, If you like this show and Star Trek, I don't know, you can check out our other podcast. It's (laughs) called Klingons and Dragons. We had a new episode last week. Uh, It's not safe for work, especially this this Mm -hmm. session we're in now. It's just endless endless mom jokes. It's awful. Anyway, check it out, KlingonsandDragons.com. If you want to tell us your favorite movie of all time or or correct some i I doubt we had any of these because we have brian with us but uh (laughs) anything we overlooked or or mistook about casablanca you can reach out to us via email at frontporchpod at gmail.com or on our website there's contact forms you just fill it out it's easy uh mike you didn't ask me this but next week's movie is oh yeah uh called bahubali i don't i don't know anything about that one it's something about india and Go, that, warring, that sounds like India. Okay. Warring tribes or or something. It might be Bollywood. I, I have oh, no idea. Well, here we go. We're we're both in for for a new experience. But it's goodness. it's 2015 and it's got 8.1 stars on on uh, IMDb. So should be wow. pretty good. Okay. Uh, yeah. So so that's next. Um, if you enjoy the show, you could subscribe Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, wherever podcasts are found. Thanks as always for listening. And until next time, I'm Dennis. And I'm Michael. And I'm Godzilla. For the front porch. Night, everybody. See you next time. Bye.